0: Second Timothy 3:16 and 17: "All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work." This is the reading of the Word of the Lord. Good morning church. You guys look great. You guys look great. Like Josh said, my name is James Fiscasio. Um So glad to be up here this morning. So glad to be able to uh, talk to you about reading God's word, about the scriptures. And, and I really hope that at the end of today, uh, as we spend the next 30, 35 minutes together, that um, you guys feel encouraged. Right? That that we don't uh, leave this place with a sense of, of guilt or shame about how we could be reading God's word better or, or be better about practicing or be better or better or better. Uh, but rather that within you, the spirit begins to work and move and, and you get ignited um, and inspired to continue to read God's word or to pick up and practice and begin uh, to read God's word and begin to commune with him in that way. So, several of you know that we've been going through uh, a series around spiritual formation. Uh, we've been using this tagline that spiritual formation is us practicing the way of Jesus together for the life of the world. Practicing the way of Jesus together for the life of the world. In the middle of the scriptures uh, series that we're in right now, uh, we're using this tagline, which is trusting the spirit inspired words of God as our guide, our wisdom, and strength for life. Now, this morning, we're going to be focusing into the practices of hearing, listening, and then responding to scripture. Um, And and really, uh, just slowing ourselves down, right, to commune, like I said, with God. Now I'll point out that there are a number of uh, resources on SOMA's website as it pertains to digging into the scriptures, analyzing the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures. We have a spiritual formation guide um, that you can download and and continue to work through. Um, There are also resources around uh, books and study guides, uh, concordances and dictionaries um, that you can find out there as well. Some of those things we'll, we'll get into and start to touch on here this morning. But I would encourage you that after the service, go ahead and dig into that in a little bit more detail. Now, when it comes to Scripture, I know that there are people that approach Scripture differently. Like some people um, find life in Scripture, right? There's nothing better than them reading a passage, reading a verse, reading a chapter, spending a couple hours in Scripture uh, for some of us. And then for others, it's a real struggle to crack open um, the Bible and begin to commune with God that way. And one thing to be mindful of is that Scripture is not just for the individual. Like, Scripture is not just for you to sit and kind of hold on yourself. Scripture uh, is to be used within the body of believers. And throughout our times, we also find that we kind of ebb and flow between we feel enlightened and refreshed by the Scriptures, and then also we feel like it's dry, like there's not something that we can really glean or take or apply to our lives. And kind of the encouragement this morning is that, yeah, you're going to ebb and flow through that, right? And to be okay with some of those ebbs and flows. But wherever you find yourself this morning in your zeal, or even your lack thereof for scripture, we all need a community of believers to encourage us and to remind us that this practice is essential for the Christian life. And while we're going to talk about a couple of different methods as it pertains to reading scripture this morning, like I said, the focus of this morning, what I hope that you leave with isn't uh, more tools to dig into the scriptures, as there are many books and and references on that. Our pastors have put together um, podcasts, and and they've crafted um, additional guides and study uh, to help with the practice of scripture. My hope for us at the end of our time together this morning is to be reminded that we can trust God's word, and that trust can lead us to commune with him taking a posture of hearing and listening to Scripture, and then out of that posture, we can be inspired to respond to the convictions and the challenges that Scripture provides. Before we jump into hearing and listening and responding to Scripture, I want to talk a little bit about trusting Scripture. We read this morning in 2 Timothy uh, 3, Scripture is breathed out by God. right? So it's divinely inspired, written by human hand. So when Paul is saying all scripture is breathed out by God, saying God is breathing the breath of life in the words that we read on these pages. We as Christians believe that uh, God is a God who doesn't lie, right? So God is infallible and and there's no lies in him. We believe that the the collection of scriptures in the Bible is the authoritative word of God, which means, uh, as one theologian states That all the words in scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word in scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. We can trust the scriptures because God's words are the ultimate standard of truth. That comes from Wayne Grudem's book on systematic theology, um, a book that's, uh, you know, a great resource and, and tool to use. He does a great job of communicating uh, the authority that scripture has in very early chapters. Um, so if, uh, uh, like I said, if you want, want to read more about that, uh, please pick up that book and dig into that a little bit more. Trusting the authority of scriptures is vital for us to be able to hear, listen, and respond to God. Paul tells Timothy that scripture is profitable, which means beneficial or useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Which means that there's benefits to scriptures, right? There's a benefit to the practice and the formation, the ongoing transformation that scriptures bring to our lives. Knowing this, we shouldn't approach scriptures as just an empty ritual. We shouldn't come to the scriptures just checking off a list. Uh, We shouldn't use it as a status symbol to affirm our spirituality. Reading scripture, just like other disciplines, can be a temptation for those of us um, who want to prove how intelligent we are, how good we are, and how spiritual we are. I would caution you against that. Rather, remember that the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, as the author in Hebrews writes, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I implore you to approach the word of God with that in mind, that it's living, that it's active. Scripture is not just a historical record of events, but is a fundamental to the daily life of all Christians. We could approach it as simply an academic study, But we would miss the opportunity to see that as a sacred time to commune with our Creator and our Savior. Entering into uh, reading Scripture and spending time in Scripture as sacred and holy, we, we begin to trust God as our guide. We begin to trust the Scriptures as the wisdom of the Lord. And we begin to take a posture of eagerly desiring to hear and listen to the voice of the Lord through His Word. On a very basic level, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Anyone who's been in a relationship, anyone who's tried to communicate with a group of friends, or if you've ever dealt with children, um, you can attest to the difference between hearing something or having them try to hear you and then actually listening to something. Right? Uh, you know, I, I think of this like when my wife Allison tells me that she wants to go on a walk and uh, we have to get up and, and leave the house and go out to the the wonderful 80-degree heat. Um, What I hear is her saying that we need to turn off Netflix, we need to get up and we need to go do a thing. But when I begin to listen, when I begin to uh, try to understand what she's saying, is that she wants to grow in relationship with me. She wants to spend time with me, you know. She wants to feel fulfilled by the time that we would spend together. So in that, hearing is an ability, right? Hearing is very basic. It's just something that's very simple to do. Like, you guys are just hearing me now. Listening is a skill. And the differences between the two can be summed up as this hearing involves the receipt of a message through your ears, whereas listening involves the interpretation of the message received by your ears. Listening is a three dimensional activity, said so it's a skill that must be honed, while hearing, for those who aren't impaired, is a basic activity. It's worth knowing that although there are differences between hearing and listening, Throughout the Bible, when you read the word hear, it could be taken as listen, interpret, be attentive. We are called to simultaneously hear and interpret the message that is received by our ears as we read and study scripture. Jesus constantly called people to hear and to understand, to hear and to listen. He warned against what happens when we don't hear and we don't understand, as in Matthew 13, 19. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. We have an enemy that seeks to distort the truth and to spread lies about God and about his word. So it's imperative that we, as believers, not simply hear the word of the Lord, but also to understand and to guard against what he's saying to us. That's what David's communicating in Psalm 119 when he says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So as we hone and practice the skill of listening, um, it's something that we must continually be mindful of, that there are real forces that are at work against us to snatch those things, snatch those truths uh, away from what's being sown in our hearts. Especially true as we come to the scriptures, it's important to know that Um, that when we come to the scriptures, it's not just for us to amass information or to collect information, but rather we come to the scriptures to be changed. The steady practice of coming to God's word allows the spirit of God to transform us. Transformation here means to undergo complete change under the power of God that will find expression in character and conduct. It's the idea in Romans 12, too, where Paul is saying that you need to be uh, transformed by the renewal of your mind. We're living sacrifices that are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's an ongoing process throughout our continual spiritual formation. Like I mentioned, there are many different methods uh, that you can employ uh, and employ to uh, study Scripture and begin to uh, listen and understand Scripture There are two methods I feel that most of us gravitate to. One, be it silence and solitude, or what some people understand as Lectio Divina. And the other is analytical study of the scripture. So that first, Lectio Divina, or divine reading, what that is is an ancient practice of praying the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, sitting under the weight and the authority of the scriptures, creating space. In silence and solitude to really hear what God is saying through his scripture. In her book, uh, Sacred Rhythms Ruth Haley Barton says, in this listening stance scripture becomes an instrument of God's control rather than a tool that we control to our own ends. The practice of Lectio Divina is an invitation to meditate on the scriptures and in, in that meditation what is uncovered is the reality of sin and the brokenness of life, as well as the goodness and faithfulness of God. It's a practice that takes us back to a deep reflection on the texts and the passages that we read and asks us to engage the scriptures with our hearts, our emotions, our imaginations, our curiosities, and our wills. I know uh, for some of us there are distractions as we try to go to a place of meditation, to a place of uh, uh, devotion, there are there are obligations for, for parents. There are kids that need to be tended to, people who have jobs and, and live busy, uh, busy lives, have busy schedules. But I would call this back to the series on the Sabbath and on uh, our requirement for resting and trying to find within all of those schedules a place for rest. And it's in that rest that we not only uh, just rest, but we rest in God. And when you're doing that, it's a perfect place just kind of slow down, and to utilize this practice of meditation. So an example of these movements within Lectio Divina uh, follows this kind of structure. You read a passage, you reflect on the passage, you respond to the scripture, and you rest in God. Okay, so you read a passage, reflect on the passage, respond to the scripture, and rest in God. So we would take Lamentations 3, 24, which is a great, great passage. Uh, we talked during the prayer of lament about Lamentations and everything that was going on that brought the authors to this point to say these things. They write, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. So if we were approaching this in a meditative kind of devotional state, what, what we would want to do is just kind of slow down and meditate on that, slow down and reread that, um, and hear and listen what uh, the Bible of Scripture is saying to us. He's I mean, saying that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The weight of the love of the Lord never ceases. So for us today, that doesn't mean that we need to do anything. That doesn't mean that you have to earn this. It means that the love of the Lord has never ceased for you. That we can reflect on his mercy being new every morning. When you wake up, he had new mercies for you. By God's good grace, when you wake up tomorrow, he's going to have new mercies for you. The same kind of love and, and satisfaction that he looks at his son with, he looks at you with. For you who are believers, and with that truth, should allow yourself to respond to the questions that the, passages, the passage uh, kind of stirs up and, and, and brings to mind, right? Do I feel like the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases? Is the Lord really my portion? Is the Lord enough for me? Am I trying to seek to find other forms of love to supplant what he's already said that he can do and he will do in my life? And as you ask those questions, just come back and rest in the truth that the stiff-ass love of the Lord never ceases. That amidst all the brokenness, amidst all the struggles, amidst all the pain, uh, that God's love never ceases for you. And then to hope in Him. And at the very end, because of this, I will hope in Him. Is the Lord great? Is the Lord your portion? Is He where you find hope? The other method is an analytical approach to the scriptures, one that is more studious and more industrious. Richard Foster, in his book Celebration of the Disciplines, offers this point on the study of scripture. He says, the process that occurs in study should be distinguished from meditation. Meditation is devotional. Study is analytical. Meditation will relish the word. Study will explicate it. Although meditation and study overlap, they constitute two different experiences. Study provides a certain objective framework within which meditation can successfully function. There's a word in that quote that jumps out and it's explicate for me, which means untangle. So to explicate something is to untangle it. I really resonate strongly with um, this thought of hey, I need to come to the Bible and we just gotta untangle and take on the meetings that are here, to interpret it better so that I can listen better, so that I can go and do. So this is where study Bibles, Bible dictionaries, concordance, cross-referen- cross-referencing tools are great assets for those who um, are more analytical, more want to take uh, passage and, and begin to dissect it and, and really get to the meat and the understanding of it, so that as we meditate, as we spend devotions, like we're doing that, in the right way. And Foster offers these four steps in studying uh, as you approach the scripture. One being repetition. The second, concentration. Comprehension. And then reflection. It's, uh, it's this practice that we see in like Psalms 119 where, again, David is saying that he's storing up God's, God's word and his law into his, in his heart. Where he's studying and meditating and, and repeating these scriptures to himself. Where he's concentrating before his eyes it's God's scriptures. And comprehending and reflecting on the goodness and the greatness that God has done and God has for him. Now, regardless of the methods of study, be it you know you're doing lectio divina and you're slowing down to be with God or uh, you're analyzing and untangling the scriptures to better interpret and to better listen and hear God's word, we must understand that we're not only called to hear and listen to scripture but we're called to act and to do. We're called to respond. We're called to take this and do something with it. We go over to James 1, 19 to 25. James writes, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness, and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, who will be blessed in his doing. Now, as we can be so captivated by the meditation or the study of God's word uh, that we just kind of stay there, that we stay in a state of meditating, that we stay in a state of devotion, that we stay in a state of, of just sitting comfortably in that, and we forget to go and do. And the caution here in James is that we're deceiving ourselves if we, if we believe that all we need to do is hear God's word. If all we need to do is come to church on Sunday and listen to a sermon and then leave. Spend time in, 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 uh, during the week in quiet reflection, that's all we do. We see in Genesis that God breathes and life is given. Paul is using that same language in Timothy where he's saying that there's life in the breath of God. So as scripture is breathed out by God, there is life that comes with that. There's direction in God's word. There's healing in God's word. There's refreshment in God's word, but that's not just for you to sit with. God's word isn't for you to be comfortable and and to be full. It should inspire and propel us to fulfill the great commission, to bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters, to speak life and truth with encouragement, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. It should compel us to continue to come before the Lord with thanksgiving and remembrance of his love for us, that he sent his son to live a life, to die a death, to rise again for us while we were still sinners, so that we can freely obtain the status of adoption and be called children of God. James says that the one who looks into the perfect law, the scriptures breathed by God and perseveres through acting on what they've heard, will be blessed in their doing. He said, every time that you open God's word, you may not feel as though there's a blessing for you. You may not feel that there is life for you. You may not feel refreshed. And that may make it really hard. Make it really hard to continue to come to God's word again and again. But that doesn't make the scriptures untrue. It doesn't make the promises untrue. It doesn't make what God's saying untrue. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't endure in your practice of reading and studying the scriptures. Now, it's no secret that uh, I love the book of James. Uh, When I was a kid, you know, it was the first book that I read. Um, And it's the book that I've, I've, you know, read constantly. Um, Partly because it's only five chapters, so it's really easy. Um... I love the book of James, love the book of James. Very practical, very helpful book. And growing up, I had a, a King James Version Bible. And, you know, some of you uh, come from that background where you have King James Version Bible. So there are a lot of these and thous and hasn'ts um, throughout the scriptures. And what I would read is James 1 all the time, all the time. And in the King James Version, it says this, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. There's a a, a phrase in there, it's my brother's count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. When I was young, I read that as divers temptations, so I never went swimming. Um, because I thought that that, that, was, that was just a trap. That's just a trap for me. Um, and it wasn't until I got older <laughs> and I started to understand, hey man, maybe there are other translations of this. Maybe we should understand this a little bit better. We can listen a little bit better. And what I translate to is various temptations, various trials different things that are coming, different struggles that are happening. And James is saying to count it all joy when you fall into those. He's speaking to the churches that are scattered. And he's encouraging them to count it all joy when you fall into those temptations, when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself in need. And when I was younger, I didn't need that, right? I didn't need to know that I needed to count it all joy um, when, when things happened to me. Right, I had a pretty, um, somewhat easy life. Uh, my parents were great at guiding and walking us through the scriptures and making sure that we were in church, making sure that we had the tools and the foundation to study. But when I got older, I needed that. I needed to know that I'm supposed to count it all joy. I needed to know that even in the midst of the trials and in the midst of the struggles, that God is doing a work there. That it's not just for not. And we're not just coming and approaching uh, the different things and different ebbs and flows of life uh, uh, endlessly, right? I needed to know that there was a purpose. I needed to know that I can rest in the truth that um, there's a reason for this. And as James says, um, the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of you in these moments, these struggles is working patience, so that you may be complete, so that you may be whole, lacking nothing. So as we continue to, to, to work through the scriptures of what it seems like it's dry, what it seems like there's nothing there for us, we should understand and we should be reminded that um, God is working in you. God is working in you. And you take those scriptures and you take this practice, it may not be for you in that moment. It may be for somebody in your MC. It may be for somebody that God's going to send to you to where they need to know that they should count it all joy. They need to know that God is breathing life into them. They need to know that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And they can't get that if we're not practicing. We can't be a part of that if we don't have anything in us to give. And that's the invitation this morning, is to see that as we approach the Scripture, as we approach the authoritative Word of God, as we trust in what God is saying to us, that we can take that and we can do something with it. That we can slow down and we can hear what God is saying to us, we can listen to what God is saying to us, and we can respond to what God is saying to us. Romans 10.17, Paul writes this, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. It's an invitation to build your faith on hearing God's word. Invitation to build your faith on listening to God's word. Build your faith on responding to God's word. And to use that faith to do good works, to use that faith to continue to bring the name and the fame of God glory. It's not for us, it's for him. Let me pray for us. God, we give you thanks for this time. God, I thank you for these, your people. God, I pray that as we uh, spend time in reflection on your word, Lord, that you would bless that. Lord, that you would keep us uh, in your...